I'm excited about the message that God has impressed upon me this morning. I'll, I'll just have to ask you to open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 1 here. We're going to jump right in. Luke chapter 1. We're going to talk about some things this morning. You ever feel like maybe you had a dream and the dream was lost? Maybe, you know, for some of us, it's, it's interesting as we get older that, that we seem to uh, sometimes think, well, I think God spoke that to me, but I'm afraid uh, my dream may outlive me. You ever been that person? That, that you might feel like you're outliving your dream right now. Maybe you're young and you still have dreams and you got this big vision for your life and you know the Lord spoke to you. Good for you. All right? I'm talking to the rest of us. Just kidding. The, the truth is in all of this is sometimes we feel like that God is, has really spoken to us and we can't see it unfold. And what we need is we need the possibility of God to enter into the impossibility of us. And that's the truth. And that's where we need to, to find ourselves this morning because what we're going to see is a little peasant woman who, who is actually just, just leaving childhood, entering into adulthood. And the angel appears to her and says, I want to talk about the impossibilities of, of, of you connecting with the possibility of God. And what that's going to do and how that's going to be transformational in not just your life, but, in, but for eternity. That the impossibility that possibly you have growing up as, as a poor peasant girl, if you will, and, and hearing and seeing religion and seeing religious motives and, and knowing that, that people are offering prayers that never have an expectation that they'll ever be answered. You've seen it, you've watched it, you've even tried to dream for yourself, but you're saying, how can I be moved from this, this stagnant place that I feel trapped in into a place of possibility with God? And now the angel appears before this, this young woman, this, this just older child, if you will, and says, hey, I'm about to talk to you about God intercessing with you, through you, for eternity about your impossibilities and becoming possibilities about you feeling like you're the unfavored one to a place where you'll be favored for eternity as that's how God wants us to dream he wants us to believe that he is going to intersect and do the impossible heaven's going to come to earth and make a difference through me through you through the body of Christ, into the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. How did that happen? Through a, a young woman, if you will. He chose to come in humility, in vulnerability, to show that nothing is impossible with God. In Luke chapter 1, verse 20, I want to start here with verse 29. <clears throat> Matter of fact, let me back it up because I'm talking about Mary a little bit. Let's just back up to, to verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a de descendant of David. 
the virgin's name was Mary, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now imagine, I just kind of explained her, her situation. She, she didn't feel highly favored, I'm sure. She just felt like a, a girl who, fortunately, a man found her attractive. He went to her father and said, Hey, I would like to engage her. But now an angel appears. And he says, Hang on, <laughs> a little bit more for you. You've probably had some dreams. You've probably had some thoughts. You, as a matter of fact, the scripture says that she took all these things and she pondered them in her heart. That tells me that she's, she's a person who took time to pause, ponder, and pray about things. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. I'm going to drop down to verse 34 here. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to have be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. The title of the message this morning is Nothing is Impossible with God. You dreamers. You that that are looking for God to make a move on your behalf and in your behalf, to make an impact in this world, to know that your footprint is an eternal footprint. Don't lose that dream because God is looking to intersect us because nothing is impossible with Him, but there's a way for that to happen. It's not always our way. It has to be His way. See, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And then verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Now let me explain this word in the Greek for just a moment. Nothing actually comes from two words, no thing, and that word thing, uh, the word that can be substituted in the Greek for that word is rhema. So watch this. What he is saying is this. He's saying a spoken word. Rhema means the spoken word of God. So when the word of God is freshly spoken to your spirit man, the impossibilities now become possible. So when he says nothing or no thing, he's saying, look, the word of God is going to be spoken to you or when it is spoken to you, it's spoken to your spirit man. And then the impossibilities become possible. See, the word impossible simply means this. It means without power. So what he's saying is no freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you that doesn't have the power to perform itself. Okay, listen. <laughs> this is the way the Greek reads. I'm just unfolding it here. No freshly spoken word of God will ever come to you that doesn't have the power to perform itself. When God speaks, the power is given. Now, there's a way for this to unfold in our life. I want you to hear me. Nothing is impossible with God. Why does the impossible seem to remain impossible then? 
Let's, talk, let's look at three days in the life of Jesus real quick. Turn with me in your Bibles over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We're going to look at this. Three, three days in the life of Jesus. All right, now, that, now in the first part of Mark chapter 11, uh, let's just go to verse 11 here and, and try to move things on. Mark eleven eleven. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. All right, so here's Jesus. He's entering into Jerusalem. He looks around, right, at everything. It was late, and he went on to Bethany with the twelve. What did Jesus see when he looked at everything? Well, the Scripture tells us that he saw buying and selling. That he looked around and he noticed a lot of buying and selling. You see, he travels back and forth during this time between Bethany and Jerusalem. And what he's noticing is that in Jerusalem, they have made a great exchange. They have exchanged the works of man for the word of God. And listen to me, the works of man for the word of God. Have you ever done that? You ever thought you could work yourself into a better place with God? Come on, church. You've probably been told that you could work yourself into a better place with God. Well, if I just fasted more. Now you might just get hungry. Matter of fact, my wife says one of the, one of the most ungodly things I can do is fast because I get cranky. I just tend to say, Lord, help me, because I didn't know I had that sin in my life. I didn't know I was an angry man. It's not even angry. It's hangry. You know, I'm, I'm hungry angry. That's a whole different angry. It's hangry. It, it's just those things, right? And, and this is what, what's happening is that Jesus is seeing this exchange take place. As a matter of fact, when you, when you look in Luke's gospel, what, what you'll find is that when Jesus actually rode in just prior to the triumphal entry is what it's called, and he looks in, it says that he wept. It broke his heart. They were no longer pursuing God. But they were trying to advance their own kingdoms, their own ways. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 5 uh, through chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount. You'll remember that, that Jesus talks about these who pray in the street corners. They, they, they're at the end of the alleyways, if you will. It's where people had to funnel through. And here's what the religious would do. They had the phylacteries on their forehead, which simply meant they had scriptures on their forehead. It meant, I'm religious. Thou with can comest beforeeth me if you have money. And so they had these, these baskets oftentimes that were sitting before them. And the reason they positioned themselves in these areas was for something known today as penance, meaning that, that you could pay them and they would pray for you and they would continue to remind you of your sin so that you would come back tomorrow. Church, that's called manipulation. Uh, pastors have preached. I've preached it. I'm sure I'm guilty of this one. Forgive me, Lord. You know, but if I can convince you of your sin, you'll come back next week and maybe figure out how to get rid of it. You bunch of sinners saved by grace. That's sometimes that's, that's what we say, and, and that's how we act. But listen, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint of the Most High God. You're a child of the Most High God. You, you have an inheritance here. So there's, there's something going on. Jesus is seeing this, ex, 
exchange that's taking place. In, in Mark chapter 11, verse 12, as he leaves Bethany, on the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. He came to it, he found nothing on the leaves, for it was not, not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. See, the fig trees, they symbolize Israel and their religious system. Israel was to be the beacon of light to the world so that people who were seeking God could find him. Israel, remember, the Israelites were the chosen ones to show, to express God, to bring the impossibilities into possibility by bringing people to, to God, to the one who created it all. See, their call was to spiritually nourish the nations. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, remember the Abrahamic blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing to all the nations. See, they had begun to exchange some things for the goodness of God. So now Jesus curses a fig tree, and the fig tree is, is an example of what Israel is supposed to be, but it is not. The fig tree that is not producing anything for people to eat. It's a prophetic act against Israel's faithless religion. See, kingdom is always in season, church. Listen to me. The kingdom of God is always in season. Jesus preaches about the kingdom of God. Constantly we are reminded about the kingdom of God. Jesus, you remember, his physical order of heaven came in with him. And that's what we celebrate at this time of year. John the Baptist, his first sermon was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, change the way you think because the goodness, the power of God, the presence of God, it's here and it's available for your taking. The impossibilities have now become possible. And Jesus gave the apostolic prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that heaven is waiting to invade this world. But it's not going to come in the way that you might think. It's not going to come just because you exchange one sin for another. That's not how God intervenes. So here he makes an illustration of a fig tree saying, hey, you were supposed to produce fruit. I'm hungry. I need something to eat. People come to church because they're hungry. They need something to eat. They need some hope. They need, they need the impossibilities of God to, or the impossibilities of man to be broken by the possibilities of God. And this is what, what God wants to do for each and every one of us. Kingdom is always in season. It's right here at hand. His design is when people walk into our churches that they taste the fruit of the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 11, 15. Let's just keep reading. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. I would say Jesus is frustrated. To say the least, the place that's supposed to host him, the place that's supposed to produce good fruit has now become a place of the money changers, exchanging things instead of finding God. 
creating their own religion, creating their own ways of doing things. The buying and selling was man's ideal to help facilitate people's relationship with God. It was a program for sin. They had set up a sin management system. Those of you men who have been with us through Bravehearts over the last five weeks have been teaching on a sermon series called What Lies Beneath. Right? What lies beneath, oftentimes we're, we're trying to, to work through our own abilities to obtain God's favor. Mary was simply pondering, was thinking of God, thinking of His ways, seeing all the religious stuff out here, but really wanting a relationship here. And God saw that. And the angel says, you're the favored one. There's a purity in you. There's a genuineness in you. You still believe. You see, coming up with a program for sin, trying to exchange, paying for prayers, man's ways. It's not God's ways. See, the sin-focused management system, it's a curse system. It won't access the miraculous in your life. And you're sitting there saying, well, Curtis, uh, <laughs> I got a lot of sin in my life. Well, sin separates, church. It does separate. Sin equals death. That doesn't change. But there's one who brought life and brought eternal life, and he did it through his ways. So don't worry. I'm going to help you here in just a minute. The other thing is buying and selling was set up in the court of the Gentiles. There was no room for people to come and seek God. Their sin system, it repelled seekers. How many of us hear people say, well, I would go to your church, but there's just a bunch of hypocrites in it. You know, I've shared this with you before. I always say, hey, we could use one more. You know what I mean? God's doing an incredible work. Come be a part of Him interceding on our behalf. They became so self-focused that they shut out the rest of the world. Look, <laughs> when we're thinking inwardly, there becomes a danger. We're not concerned about anyone else out there. We're not concerned about our co-workers. We're not concerned about family members who are not walking with the Lord. That's a problem. Because God has chosen us to participate with Him. And it's not just about sin management. God becomes not the God of impossible, but the God who is frustrated because we're not good enough. We're never measuring up. If you're dealing with sin management and sin in your life or a besetting sin, listen to me, church. It's good to get away from that, to get rid of that, but it's better to do it not in your strength, in God's strength. There's a way that he does this. The church becomes a house of hypocrites rather than the hope the world for the world that it was intended to be because no one's living up. This is why I believe Jesus said in Matthew 6, he told us how to do it. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So let me say this. Here's three days in the life of Christ. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. He, he's looking at Jerusalem. He's watching the exchange take place. He leaves there, goes with his disciples. He comes back a third day and he turns everything over. He, he physically gets involved. And this is what happened through Mary. God has physically become involved with each and every one of us. And he didn't do that so that you could be goody, goody, goody. He did it so you would have a relationship with Him so the impossibilities of you could be the, could be the possibilities with Him. So what do we do? Well, man's way does this. 
This is what we look like. Got a lot of dirt, got a lot of nastiness, got a lot of trash. And we got a lot of people out there preaching saying, you better cut that off or you'll never make the kingdom of heaven. Well, you probably are saying, I've tried. I've tried. Probably gone to the temple and maybe made some exchanges there. You may have gone to Mardell's. And you bought yourself a really nice Bible and had your name engraved on it, but you never opened it. Didn't change anything. Right? I still have the besetting sin in my life. There's still something going on with me. And God's saying, no, you need to draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And let my strength be the strength that you have. See, it wasn't through Mary's strength that the, the child of God was born. It was just simply through her faithfulness. Of saying, may it be done as you have said. For you are the God of the impossible things. You see, as we pursue God, this, this, this represents us. And as we pursue God, now here's the difference. We try to cut this stuff out and the only thing it does is winds up emptying this glass and then we fill it up with other trash in our life. But when we fill ourselves up with God, when we pursue Him, when we learn to ponder things in our own heart, he pours himself into us. And as he pours himself and as we seek him, he tells us he's the refreshing water. He's the water that gives life and life everlasting. And this is amazing because that spills out and we fill ourselves up with him who is pure, who is holy. It's a process known as sanctification. We the impossibilities in us become the possibility of God because it's God who inhabits His people. Now this is the neat thing. If this represents the world, for God so loved the world, then He's called us into this world. And this is a beautiful thing. He chooses to work with us. See, when we sing Emmanuel, it's God what? With us. It's God in us. It's God participating, making the, the impossibilities become possible with Him. And so you take God and you pour Him into this world. And you take God and you pour Him into this world. And this guy pours Him in. And this guy, and this is getting messy, but it's, it's working, right? What's that doing? It's dispersing the things of the world out. And the things of God it's bringing in. We're bringing in. We have the responsibility until one day this begins to, to spill over and righteousness, peace, and joy enter this earth because that's the kingdom of God in the Holy Spirit. It's what the Scripture says. Mark eleven seventeen, and he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house should be called a house of prayer for all the nations? Notice, he makes a point here. It's for all the nations. It's not just for you. You religious scribes, you Pharisees, you Sadducees. Yes, God came first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, no doubt because the Jews should have recognized Him. I mean, He led them to the promised land. They should know, but it became more about them than for the nations. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 56 here. In Isaiah 56, it says this, These I will bring to my holy mountain, the Mount of Zion, 
a worship center is what that is. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. See, in my Father's house, it's supposed to be a house of prayer. Churches are meant for encounters with God. Churches must learn to host God's presence. When we worship, we host God's presence. I love thinking about the Mount of Zion. It's the, the Davidic place, if you will. David uh, conquered Zion, the Zionites. There was only one way into that place. And it's interesting, they said, you guys can't come in here. There's just one way. Oh, the only thing we have to do is get on each side of the entrance and just pick y'all off with our bows and arrows. It doesn't quite say it like that, but it's close. And David doesn't even have to lead his army. You know why? Because the Lord had promised Zion. The Lord had spoken. It's a spoken word. What's God spoke in your life? You see, when we encounter God, when we seek His face, that's where we find faith for impossible situations. When God walks into the room, anything is possible. The freshly spoken words, they flow. God is speaking to each and every one of us. He's calling us into deeper relationship with Him. He, he cares about us. said this a couple of weeks ago. Look. No two snowflakes are the same. All those college students walking around. And not a one of them look the same. Right? None of us are the same. All right, if you're in college, I'm not after you. Okay, I love you. It, it, we don't have many college students anyway. I thought about that statement before I came in this morning just because they're on break. They just got done with their finals. Oh, you didn't? Oh, sorry about that. Forgive me, Lord, for thus dying has sinned against them so so here's what happens right uh, none of us are the same he's gone through an intentional process of loving us before we were even born he before we were knit in the womb he knew us he named us he has a plan he has a purpose he has a word for each one of us what he wants to be is greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world that's what he's looking for in us but are we listening to the word that he speaks to us this morning are there impossibilities in your life that look like they'll never become possible mark eleven twenty 20 through 22 as they passed by in the morning they saw the fig tree withered away at its roots and peter remembered and said to him rabbi look the fig tree that you cursed has withered and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. In other words, I still have a way. I still have a plan. You want to know what that looks like? John chapter 1, verse 43. There's a great story that's starting to unfold there about the fig tree. And you remember, it's the story of Philip and Nathaniel. And, and Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. He said, behold, we found the one who Moses has written about. And, and Nathaniel basically says, where is he from? He says, Nazareth and he asked that that great question that I asked when I was at Happy Texas right can any good thing come from Nazareth and then you remember how the story unfolds he's a he's approaching Nathaniel and he says these words behold an Israelite in whom there is no guile in other words nothing false there's someone hey look there's a connection here between Mary and Nathaniel no guile that is pure in heart. That is pure in heart. 
He's making a connection here in this. And, and Nathaniel asked that question. He says, how do you know me? And he says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Uh-oh, when you were under the fig tree. Yeah, when you were trying to do it everybody else's way, but you were earnestly seeking me. And now I'm standing right in front of you. The impossible has now become possible with you. And I love how he responds. Truly, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Those are his words. In other words, hey, I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan for the entire world. I've got a way. It doesn't look like what you've been taught. It doesn't look like what you've seen. It's about me. It's about pouring more of me into you. It's about hearing my freshly spoken word to you. Jesus says, have faith in God. When you look at that in the Greek, this is what he actually says. He says this, have God's faith. You want the impossibilities of God to intersect your world, to intersect your life. Have God's faith. And you say, well, how can I have God's faith? Well, greater is he that is in me. The problem is, is we sometimes don't see how great he truly is in us. So we take things by the horns, if you will. We, we take the animal in us and we live by that instinct instead of by the word of God. Have God's faith. Receive faith. I want to tell you today three, three ways to see the impossibilities come into your life. The first one I'd say this is receive faith. Have God's faith. God is the source of faith, not you. Now watch this. This is incredible. The currency that moves God on your behalf is faith. And yet he's the owner of it. This is what it tells me. I've got to have God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Curtis. Seek ye first what he has in store for my life and for the life of others around me. Learn to receive faith. Have God's faith. God is the source of faith. Faith comes by hearing is what Romans ten seventeen says. It doesn't come from listening to Tone Loke. A lot of people saying, who's that? Uh, it doesn't come from listening to Miley Cyrus. It's not a good example. It doesn't come from listening to Toby Keith. Look, here's, here's the truth. We listen to all kinds of voices in this world. All kinds of voices. And yet Mary, as she was in a quiet place, Moses, as he was in a quiet place, here's what happened. They reflected upon God. They saw God in the little things and in the big things. They sought out God in this place where they could ponder, where there were no other voices. And you know what happened? They received God's faith. And in receiving God's faith, they received his favor. Moses wasn't at a stoplight when he heard God with horns going off and a loud radio playing who knows what. I better not even try. But it was quiet in the stillness. They heard the voice of God. They received that. You see, a freshly spoken word produces faith. And then the impossible becomes possible. 
Now, I believe God is speaking about the miracle here on bottom. Guys, <laughs> we're in a little circle drive. They got Georgia all messed up if you didn't see it. I made a couple phone calls. Okay? There, there's some things that are going, you got to want to be in God's house this morning, right? But there is a miracle happening on South Bonham. We bought an old church. And it's, it's been restored. It's been refreshed. Some great things are going to be birthed out of this place. I've seen it. I've heard it. I got that word. And I can't help what men say. I'm believing on what God says. I'm believing that. We need some people to believe with us. And that's going to come from sitting with the Lord and receiving faith. Because what we have is good to eat. It's not going to wither. It's not going to waste away. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. But believes, but believes, but has faith. Matthew 17, 20 says the exact same thing. If you have faith of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there, and it should be moved, and nothing will be impossible for you. Faith comes from sitting and receiving faith from God. He is the author of faith. He will do it, not you. That's my second point. He will do it, not you. See, it's so easy for me to get in the flesh. It's so easy to say, man, I've read the books. <laughs> I've studied the Word. I, 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 I. I even carry an iPhone, an iPad. All about me, my, my, oh, my. It's, it's just, you know, it's all this stuff. Stuff. But what happens is I have to remember, hey, he's going to do it, not me. And his ways are not my ways is what the Scripture says. They're higher than my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. So I seek him to find out what that looks like so that he can grow that faith in me. See, I'm limited, but he's not. You're not doing it. He is. My part is to receive. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be what? Yours. It's yours. Now, here's the third thing. <laughs> you do not have because you do not what? Would God even care about poor little old me? My pathetic little world that I've created. I mean, I, I, I have no life. I, I go to work. I go home. I eat a snack. After I eat my snack, I go outside. I look around. I sit down for a little while. I come back. I run the weed eater for a while. I might cut some firewood. I might ask the kids to load it up and stack it on the porch nicely on the other side of the door. Does God really care about little old me? Why should I ask? Because before you were born, he knit you in his mother's womb. I've never heard a father not wanting to hear from their child. There's nothing that enlightens and gives me life more than when my kids come to me with a question. Tough questions. Asking me for the impossible. <laughs> it was, we can't afford that. Last year they came to me and said, Dad, we want to go to the beach. I said, you crazy. We don't want to just go to the beach. 
we want to go to Florida. And I was like, what? Florida, y'all know how much that'll cost? Your daddy's a preacher. He's just a preacher. And I remember praying about it and saying, Lord, I, Florida's like, I don't know how many miles, but it's a long ways. And I, okay. And it was neat to see how things began to unfold to get to go. Sometimes he just says, why don't you ask? It's your pride that won't let you ask because you're thinking God doesn't care about me. Guess what? That's pride because the scripture says that you were bought with a price. And that price was every ounce of that infant child that was born that we celebrate this time of year who grew up to be 33 and pinned on a cross, bled completely out for you because you were bought with a price. Ask. Many of us are afraid of being disappointed, what it might mean about your faith if it doesn't happen. Well, sometimes you might ask with the wrong motive. Sometimes my children do. It's not good for you to want eight Reese's peanut butter cups. That's not a good thing for you to eat right now. I know what's best, right? God knows what's best for you. Asking is about engaging with God. And when I receive a freshly spoken word from God, watch, now I know what to ask and I know how to ask it. Ask, have that conversation with God. He is our Father and He wants His children to talk with Him. Isn't it awesome that Mary had an angel come and spoke with her? Blessed are you among women blessed you will be called called blessed throughout the nations for an eternity she had a conversation do you have faith this morning church let me ask you this what do you have faith for have your impossibilities been intersected by the kingdom of heaven Bringing possibilities? Do you believe he'll do it? And not you? Have you asked for it? Let's let's ask God to pour into us. Watch. To birth something in us that is great for his kingdom. That will extend to the very ends of the earth. That will make disciples who make His ways known. What's your prayer this morning? Is your prayer, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Maybe you're tired this morning. How about just asking for more of the Holy Spirit? It's okay to ask God for more faith in your situation. That's okay. Because you're asking for more of God in that situation. How many of us truly understand that when the kingdom invades this world, that standard rules don't apply? (laughs) Standard rules don't apply. Can't help what man says. I love what God says. Because then I've been given a title deed to a promise promise. Would you please stand?
There's a reason why Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. And so we provide the opportunity for God to be in our midst, for the impossibilities to become possible because we come in agreement. Some, someone may have a word for you, may be able to speak a word into your life, a word of God that, that you get the title deed, and now you say, Lord, begin to water this in me so that I can see it come to pass. Your kingdom on earth. May it invade. Have you ever asked for the nations? Have you ever had that prayer that you truly ask for the nations? That's what the Lord said. My house will be called a house of prayer for who? For the nations. Revelation. Every tongue, tribe, and what? Nation. That his kingdom would invade every people group in this world. Church, listen to me. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this body. Father, I pray that we will truly resemble you more each day of our life, Lord, that you will wash us clean in the renewing of the word, the water of your word, the rhema, the word that you speak to us. And as we're washed clean, that, that Lord, we would hear you Speak to us more clearly each day of our life. Be given the title deed. Be given the faith in you that your kingdom would truly come and your will would be done in all of our lives. For life is but a breath. God, we love you and we praise you and we bless you this morning. Amen.